Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and boy, do we have a doozy of an episode for you. We start off with some incredible news for FC Cincinnati. Three players called up to the U.S. men's national team to face off against Mexico next week. We are also joined by a very special guest, Big Randy from No Laying Up Podcast is here and was incredibly generous with his time. A very, very fun interview. We wrap it up with a St. Louis preview prediction, and that's your Cincy Postcast. And joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got Chief, we've got Grayson. Chief, the news came out today, and we're going to talk about this before we get to the the interview for this episode. Three FC Cincinnati players getting called up to the U.S. Men's National Team. That is Brandon Vasquez, of course. Roman Celentano, maybe uh, a slightly unlikely pick. And then the surprise wild card of them all, Matt Miazga. How excited or what was your reaction to seeing Matt Miazga on that list? My reaction was it's about damn time. Yeah. Um, people forget Matt Miazga had the talent level that he was selected to play at Chelsea. Okay, I understand like they're kind of a laughing stock this season, but there aren't a lot of U.S. men's national team players that get to the level of playing and being signed by a Champions League winner, a perennial top four team in the Premier League. That doesn't just happen to players. We fought all over guys who make it in the championship. Like everyone was losing their minds over Daryl DK making it to where, you know, who gives a shitsford in the championship? West Brom, but yes. What Albion. <laughs> Can't but, the Albion. Oh, yes. Right. But it's almost like I I almost think he's like this forgotten and overlooked man. And it's odd to me. It's genuinely odd to me that he hasn't been in consideration this entire time. So yeah. Good for him. I also want to point out, too, um, we had as many call-ups from FC Cincinnati as Nashville, Columbus, and St. Louis combined. So, nice. suck on that. Because Columbus <laughs> had one and St. Louis had zero. Yes. Zero. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do the math. I'm sure the you numbers can add don't in lie. a number of other teams, too, just for fun. Yeah. Indy 11. Any, right. any New York Detroit Red Bulls City. get called up? Yeah. yeah. Didn't see any. Uh, no. Oh yeah, because Darren Long isn't there anymore, and I mean, little little petty to to Frankie's for this not one. in the no uh, Frankie. Frankie's not in the picture. <laughs> you know, maybe what? if he just said I'm sorry or thank you. Yeah, if sorry, they got plenty the of they got, they got plenty of midfielders who can't score on the men's national team. <laughs> <laughs> Can be tough for Frankie to break into that spot. I. I, the thing that always blows me away when looking at Miazga, he's 27 years old, right? Like, 
He's not old. Like, if you told me he was 33, I'd be like, yeah, okay, it'd be kind of hard for him to break in now. 27, one of the best center backs in the league. I think there's a solid argument for him being the, I'll say, second best, and we'll just put Yerson Mosquera off to the side for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) But he's, I mean, Grace, we were talking about this before. He's as good, if not better, than Walker Zimmerman, who is a lock on this U.S. men's national team. Yeah, and I think, I think... I think that there's like a bias because Miazga had some difficulty break, getting regular playing time over in Europe because he went to Chelsea because he challenged himself, but he was really good in the Belgian league. And like that was good enough, like being even not even all that good in the Belgian league was good enough to get Mark McKenzie to the World Cup uh, last November. Um, Mark McKenzie is probably like what two years younger than Matt Miazga, so there's not like right, not like a lot of like development upside. It's just Miazga at like 19 was a best 11 caliber, he was like third in uh MLS defensive player of the year voting. Don't quote me on that exactly, but that's about where he was. Was a top, let's say, generously top five defender in Major League Soccer at 19 years old, and that's what got him over to Europe. He's like a year older than Aaron Long was when Aaron Long started finally getting like regular professional playing time. So my favorite part of this story, though, is... Yes, please, please. If we're all saying this and thinking this, the only person who's thinking this and saying this more loudly is Matt Miazga himself. Yes. He gave... An all-time quote to Pat Brennan today that I just want to read verbatim right here. Says to Pat, quote, I told you guys in November I was screwed over multiple times in the past. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I always felt like I should be part of that group throughout my career, especially the last few years. I'm grateful to be able to show face again. What a quote. <laughs> like most players, they they get the call up and they're grateful. I'm excited to earn this opportunity. He goes two-fisted into this idea that I got fucked out of playing time. And like the implication is really strong that it's a direct Greg Burhalter thing and a direct problem Burhalter has with him in particular. And I am I am here for this level of angry Matt Miazga. <laughs> I yeah. love I love the sauce. I also love the confidence. Just like it's yep. so impressive to have gone through like what he went through in his career, which I'm not going to say like adversity, but like he never broke into Chelsea. Uh, his last stop in Europe, he had a hard time getting regular minutes at Alaves, which was a bad, bad, bad La Liga team. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't seem to have affected his self-confidence at all and what it reminds me of kind of is like because i i'm always really envious of people with like a ton of (laughs) self-confidence you know and i was watching um uh i was watching that new uh john wick movie love it and it's like really funny when the award for john wick goes up and up and up because he's killed like the top 200 assassins in the world. <laughs> and there's always like schmoes who are like, yeah, 
I'm going to get that money. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's like, these are not people who like stared in an email for five minutes and then set it on like a delayed receipt because they can't like, or delayed, uh, send because they just like so nervous about getting like a response or like how people are going to read it. Um, and, uh, I love it. I love it. And you know, he's, we see it on the field that he's got this, this attitude, this chip on his shoulder. And, you know, he's a really, really good player. Like, I do think that if you, we knew this was going to be an MLS only window. And if you're like, they brought four center backs, name four American center backs better than Matt Miazga in MLS. And frankly, like name two. Right. Right. Like I, the only one I would give you is, is miles Robinson. Interesting. So yeah. like I I think he's better than Walker. I think he's 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 much better with the ball. Yes. Um Walker's just like a I mean, I don't want to I don't want to denigrate Walker, but like Walker's like the thing they always say about Walker is he's great in the air. Right. You know, I don't think Mexico is gonna be like bombing in a bunch of crosses. No, that's never been how they played. I mean, I I didn't check uh Mexico's roster, did uh uh chicharito get the call up so i i haven't seen an official announcement of their roster um but uh but i did see in the news that chicharito is not at least mexican news is reporting that um that he's not going to be on the team okay um i I Go go ahead. Yeah, I was just there was a story that came out that apparently the new coach uh, for Mexico there said that he wanted to open the door back up to to Chicharito to come back if you know if if fortune were to go that way for him. So yeah, I, so based on what's being reported in Mexican media, he's not going to be there. Uh, there was a paper that 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 printed a twenty three man roster for the friendly uh, El Horizonte. But um, I don't know that this is that this that it's accurate. Um, it doesn't include Chicharito. It doesn't include uh, Carlos Vela. I mean, that's no surprise. I think yeah. either of them. Um, the funny thing that I did figure out is if that roster is correct, there will be two guys in Mexico's roster who played in Mexico's U sixteen team in two thousand fourteen. With Brandon Vasquez, <laughs> which was the last time uh, Vasquez was in the Mexico uh, national team system. Nice, nice. Do, do you, do you oh, think yeah, that uh, do you think Miazga's stock with the national team and with Greg Berhalter would be higher, like Walker Zimmerman, if Matt Miazga's mother had written a book about his youth playing career? <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do got to put yourself out there. You got to get like representation, or could have blackmailed Berhalter. Apparently, that was pretty effective. Uh, I mean, if Matt, if Miazga had stayed at Red Bulls and been and like been you know MLS best eleven year in year out throughout his early 20s we might not even know who Aaron Long is or or how about how about this idea like this isn't like shaded him because I really enjoyed him on this team when Jeff Cameron was here but if Miazga goes over to Stoke City or to some mid-table Premier League team and has a 10-year playing career in relative 
Premier League obscurity. I refuse to believe he wouldn't have been a part of all these men's national teams during the last World Cup cycle. And he's not yeah. a different. He's not a different player. No, like he was the same diff- guy. He'd be, he'd be the same player, and he yeah. he looked the same player. Uh, end of last year, where he looked like one of the best center backs in Major League Soccer. That was the same guy who couldn't get, you know, very much time at Alaves, who looked really good at uh, Anderlecht, who had at least one you know nice season at Reading, who was very successful in the in the Dutch league, won trophies. Yes. Um, in the Dutch league, uh, with uh, you know, former FC Cincinnati center back Michael Vanderwerf. <laughs> um, <laughs> they can't all be winners. But but it, this is this this is like the this is the mirror image of what people say when an MLS guy goes to Europe and the quote unquote Euro snobs like suddenly want him in the team, and you're like, right. well, that's that like Brent like Brendan Aronson was the same player when he stepped on the first stepped on the field for Salzburg as when he left, you know, Philly union. He didn't suddenly become a different guy, but the the same is true. Like when guys are good enough to be in the team based on their major league soccer play, a, a tough month in a tougher league doesn't mean like suddenly we should, we should cast them aside. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. And yeah, excited for him. Of course, I, I think we all sort of expected Vasquez to get called up here. Uh, good to see him get there. And, you know, he's he's one for two in terms of scoring in, in games in which he appears for the national team. So hopefully he can uh, keep that rate up. And Roman Celentano, I mean, with it being an MLS-heavy roster, maybe it wasn't a huge surprise. They brought him up in the January window where he did not get a minute. I suppose it, since they did bring in uh, one player from Liga MX and then Serginho Dest coming in from AC Milan, it wouldn't have been impossible to bring in like an Ethan Horvath or something uh, for just this one game. But it's a little surprising Gaga that wasn't, wasn't yeah. released because he's, he's not going to, He's probably not going to play for play Chelsea for Chelsea's this first weekend. Team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was nice to see him get get the invite back. So maybe he showed something in training. This is just one game, so it's not like they're going to rotate through three keepers in this one or whatever. And it does feel like a game both sides are going to try to win for whatever reason here. Um, it is. I, I should point out as well this. Mexico friendly is outside of a designated FIFA window. And what that means is the national teams can politely ask teams for those players, but teams are allowed to refuse their call up Uh, when they are within designated FIFA windows. Teams cannot refuse the call up. That is sort of the the rules of playing in a FIFA sanctioned league is that you have to give up players for the national team duty to go serve their country. Um, so that is why uh, MLS was a little more accommodating. The game is in MLS and the cherry on top of all of this, nobody's expected to miss time because of the timing of this match. This is just going to be a midweek game that should not affect availability. Now, teams may take that into their own hands and sit guys who maybe go 90 minutes against Mexico or or maybe they're jet lagged depending on where they're going off to next but um, Chief yeah good to see that our guys with the injuries coming out of training these days good to see we won't be completely hamstrung here. No that's <laughs> nice and the other thing that's really nice too is that um, 
I don't think Celentano is going to play. Not like you rack up a lot of mileage on the body as a keeper anyway, but no one that's going to play in this game is going to probably do more than 45 to 50 minutes on a shift. So it's a nice reward. It's um, great. To, it's a good feather in the cap for the club, I think, to have the most call-ups of any team in MLS. Um, yeah. And it's good to see Miazga get back in, especially. Like, I feel really happy for him. So it's not going to cost him any minutes. They're going to miss a little bit of training, but it's great opportunity, great feather for the club. And it got the fans excited today, which I really – I like that. You love to see it. There's It's positives all around. I was worried that – they had to miss games with how shorthanded things are. But with that, without, with that off the table, the hell with it. Have fun. Go beat Mexico. Yeah. No, this would be a lot of fun. Uh, I thought this was funny, too. Uh, Miazga hasn't played since uh, for the national team since June of 2021, so two-year gap there. Made his first debut with the senior national team 2015 in a World Cup qualifier against St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Just crazy that he's been around this long and he is you know still got i don't know three four years of peak center backness in him so um excited for that uh do we have anything else before we head off to this interview there Let's do it. been thankfully a slow news week for fcc other than everybody <laughs> seemingly popping up on the injury report at one point or another Brenner held out uh, of training for precautionary reasons. I imagine he'll be back and fine, but there you go. But yeah, uh, this interview again, chief, thank you for helping arrange this. We are joined by big Randy from no laying up local Cincinnati guy who's had a, uh, we can go ahead and say successful <laughs> golf podcast uh, out there. They are uh, the, I'd say number one, right? Number Number two, uh, they're they're in that that top echelon of golf podcasts, a, a little media empire they've been building over there. And Podcasts, videos, doing collaboration work with ESPN. It's uh, yeah, yeah, they're involved it, in everything. Those guys. Um, it's impressive. They are funny as hell, and I'm still blown away that even agreed and bothered to come on and talk to us, and was incredibly generous with his time. So I, I think you're really going to enjoy this uh, this interview. And if you uh, if you stick around, if you're desperate for more soccer talk uh, afterwards, we sort of preview and predict that St. Louis match. So enjoy this interview. Oh, and joining us on the postcast, a very special guest. I, I hope I'm not embarrassing him by saying by far the largest Twitter following of any guest we've had on the postcast. <laughs> we are joined by the one and only Big Donald Randy. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump. No, Big Randy from No Laying Up. How you doing? Oh, my God, guys. I am great. It It is I, It is a real honor to be on your show. It is. It, I discovered your show early last year, and I just have loved the work that you guys do. I'm a religious listener, um, and so this is this is really cool for me. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, I, I'll go ahead and speak for everybody and say I'm so sorry. Uh, you have to listen to us. I, I apologize <laughs> for the audio quality and everything else. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Do, do not apologize. Uh, I, I mean, I got to start off with this question. I'm sure it's a question a lot of people will have uh, if, if they are listeners of yours. Um, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a fair question. Fair question. 
Um, I I mean, I it's it's the truth. I found you guys. I I have gotten into FC Cincinnati. I just was delighted that Cincinnati got a major league soccer team. I did not follow FC too closely uh, prior to MLS. Mm-hmm. I, I I remember the U.S. Open uh, U.S. Open Cup run. But then when when the news broke that they were going to join MLS, it was really exciting for me because I grew up playing soccer uh, K through 12. I'm a I'm, I'm a Marymount guy, if if anybody um, cares to know that much about me. But I've always loved soccer. And one of the things I've that that's gone with that is I've never felt a true allegiance to any club teams. And so I, mm. I would really get into the national teams and the World Cups and the men's and the women. But I, you know, I, I tried to kind of latch on to some Premier League teams and, um, you know, I, I this is this is sanctum or uh, this won't go over well. You know, I, I tried to get into the crew many years ago, yeah. but I just never stuck. And so I say all of that. I, I have really, really enjoyed FC Cincinnati. And of course, with with them becoming more competitive and, and this year they're outstanding. It's just a lot of fun, and and I love following the team. I love catching the games, and you guys provide a podcast for me that kind of fills in the gaps where you know I, I living out in Denver. I, I I don't hear a lot of FC talk. I you know I read a little bit, but you guys provide you know two to three to four hours a week of of FC Cincinnati <laughs> talk for me, and so you're filling that void for me. I'm so appreciative. <laughs> uh, I reached out a bit ago and just wanted to tell you guys, you know, keep up the great work. And for some reason, I, I don't know, you guys wanted to have me on. So here I am. That's a long winded answer, but I want to say thanks. And I'm very excited to be here tonight. Oh, no, I, I'm thankful you you agreed to come on. No, you you joined at probably the worst time to be an FC Cincinnati fan, though. And that's why I feel bad you didn't get to enjoy the the Manu Ledesma years or the GB Bite years, you know, the, uh, the good times before they decided to suck for three years. So glad you finally get to enjoy some good soccer this year. I, I know, me too. It's, it's a ton of fun. And I've gotten back to Cincinnati. I've been to TQL a few times. And it's I'm just blown away by the passion, the atmosphere. I, I think they've done an excellent job with TQL Stadium. And yeah, honestly, I'm like, God, I wish I lived in Cincinnati. It would be so much fun to have tickets and, and get to go to every home game. That's an interesting thing, too, because most of the people in town, they become a fan of the team by, oh, I've got a friend that talks about the FC. Come to a game, see what it's like. And then most people that go to one game get hooked on the product, on the experience of being a fan there. But picking it up from abroad and not getting having that be your introduction to the stadium, not your introduction to the team, it's a little bit of a different story than we usually hear about how I became an FC Cincinnati fan, which is kind of fun. He says yeah. abroad because this is the Republic of Cincinnati. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think that owes to, like I said, I, I grew up playing soccer. It's it's always something that I've been into. And I, I was just always searching for, you know, that that club team to kind of bridge the gap between the, the, the national team uh, competitions. And so, honestly, it was like the first couple of years in MLS, I was like, God. 
damn, are we like, is, this, <laughs> is it always going to be like this? Like, surely it's got to get better. Um, but it's been really fun. Uh, certainly last year was a ton of fun. And then, yeah, it's, I, we can get into it, but man, this, this year it's like, holy cow, as you know, we're all Cincinnati sports fans. I imagine we're, we're not quite used to having nice things. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, the the Reds really picked an inopportune time to just sort of give up in the marketplace with the Bengals oh. making regular postseason runs and FCC <laughs> turning it on. It's uh, not a good time to be a Castellini, I wouldn't think. No, 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 no. God, I'm so <laughs> mad at the Reds. I, uh, I, so I mean, the Reds have always, and and I guess it's just a product of you know, I'm, I'll turn 40 later this year. And for really my whole childhood, the Bengals were the laughing stock of the NFL. So I always held the reds near and dear to my heart. I, I always looked at them as kind of the model organization in the city. And it's like, yeah, you know, up is down, left is right. Um, the, the, the Bengals have flipped the script and you're exactly right. Like if, if honestly, if I was the reds, I'd be very concerned. I like it as a consumer of the reds. I hope FC success pushes the Castellinis to spend some money and and to try to improve that operation but yeah it's it's nice having that third professional team in in the city that is and that they're having success is the cherry on top so i got to ask when you first uh came back to cincinnati to see your first match in person what were you most excited about having picked up the team of, uh living outside the city and now finally making your, I was at abroad again, just because <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Cincinnati, it may as well be someplace in a completely different country for, for all of us. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think just, just seeing the stadium was, was probably what I was most excited uh, to do. I, I had heard from friends and family how nice it was. I, I had heard from other people, their experiences. So I was really keen to see TQL and it did not disappoint. we, I forget who they played. It was it was two years ago I went to my first game. They lost. So that the result <laughs> yeah. was, you know, the, the the play on the field, at least by by FC, was not what was was hooking me. But I, I just, you know, I I I it sounds I don't know, maybe simplistic, but I just came away really impressed with like, hey, they they've built this stadium in an area of town that you know, they, they have a chance to kind of develop some cool stuff around it. I know it's close to OTR, which, you know, I, I moved out of Cincinnati before OTR really popped. Like that's a whole nother thing where I'm like, Holy cow, this is such a cool part of the city that <laughs> yeah. I don't really know that well. Um, and then the stadium itself. Yeah. Just, just all the touches, every interaction I had with an employee was, was friendly. You know, the concessions were good. It, it just, um, it felt like really good energy and, and the Bailey was rocking and it was like, man, this is, this is really happening in my hometown. And I think from that point on, it was like, God, I, I want to support this team. Like I'm, I'm in, I, I really, I, I am impressed with what they're doing. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a reaction that we have even living here. And that's that you walk into the stadium and every time I walk out and I see the field, it's, there's this feeling that washes over me still of, I can't believe this is happening in Cincinnati. I, <laughs> This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You didn't make it down for the US, US Mexico game, did you? I did not. Oh, I that did was not. wild. Yeah. It was just, that was another one. Like, I just can't believe this is happening here. I had gone to a US Mexico qualifier up in Columbus, and I want to say it was 2008, 
eight or nine was was 2010 a world cup year by chance yeah so it would have been in the cycle leading up to 2010 and uh a, a couple buddies and i drove up after work and it was a dose zero and i was i walked out of there i was like this is like the best sporting event i've ever been to in my life and for that now to have happened in cincinnati to you know we have the possibility hopefully of that recurring in Cincinnati. Yeah. You're like, that's like, Holy shit. That's cool. Um, so one of these days next time, hopefully I can get back for, for a Mexico game in, in Cincinnati. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully we, we have some FC Cincinnati players on the field. Uh, I'll say yeah. for the U S selfishly <laughs> in regards to Brandon Vasquez there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been really weird too seeing the team, not just get good, but all of a sudden the players are in demand and guys are getting national team call-ups. It's been an incredibly exciting season. Like I just, we've gotten to the point now where when we talk about these games, I'm not even sure what to say. Like, I feel like I had more, more takes, more content in me when the team was bad. And yeah. when, when they're good, I just want to be like, isn't this fun? Like, yeah. This is great. <laughs> I know it's, it must be a challenge to kind of stay, you know, critical or at least, at least kind of keep trying to find weak spots or, or areas of improvement. Um, I know this year is like, hold, like when did this, like, I'm not, I'm not used to Cincinnati being a defensive powerhouse. Like this is all new. Um, and I think certainly I'll ride the typical like club soccer fan cycle where I feel like, okay, we were, I, I say, we, uh, I don't know what, what you guys <laughs> just go, on that just are. go with it. Okay. We like <laughs> it. Where we were super shitty and it was constant turnover and now, you know, exciting kind of breakout year last year. And then have you got, as you guys have helped like condition me, it's like, well, what comes with success is all of a sudden the players become in demand and chances are, you know, we'll see some departures probably over to Europe. And so, like, I'm having to get ready for that, the, you know, the next part of of being a fan at the club level. So trying to prepare myself, uh, but hopefully they can kind of ride the success, at least through this year. I feel really good about, you know, Coach Noonan. Uh, I, I feel like what's weird is, like, with FC, um, I don't – I'm not jaded at all, like, Besides kind of some of the complaints and stuff you guys talk about, I, I don't feel like I'm close enough or knowledgeable enough to like really get frustrated with stuff, which is a weird spot to be because, you know, with the Reds and certainly with the Bengals up until a few years ago, it's like all you're doing is constantly like bitching about this or that or that. Um, but FC, it's just like, it's just kind of nice. I'm taking it all in, uh, which is a new experience <laughs> as well for me. I think we'll, we'll ride that cycle and like find out what, uh, Chris Albright, Chris Albright's beta of when he has to like replace Brenner, replace you know some of these guys that are yeah inevitably going to move on. It's it's also a fun part about being an American soccer fan where you know I grew up a NFL fan, grew up a baseball fan. I came to soccer when I was you know high school, college that age, and it's almost like no matter what you do, it's hard to replicate those formative years learning what the option is, learning what you know, a play action passes or yeah. with baseball, the statistics that you're supposed to know about. And in soccer, I don't know that I'll ever have the deep tactical understanding of the sport the way I do, where <laughs> I can watch a football game and be really mad about the blocking or the route running. <laughs> and with soccer, it's more of a binary thing. It's either I watch, it's like, this sucks or this is great. And it really does make my fandom 
it, it prones you or it primes you for the hot take fandom, which I just find to be tremendous. So it makes the <laughs> watching a completely different experience than it does with other sports. <laughs> I think that's a really insightful point. And it, it's like helping me crystallize some some thoughts that I, I might not have been able to, you know, verbalize before. But I think you're exactly right. Like, again, I I I, I played soccer, but I, I couldn't tell you tactically like hardly anything um so i don't really know what's going on out there but it's it's oh it's a blissful ignorance and i felt with the national team it's like yeah it's just like 90 minutes man just go like be proud of your country and root them on and i kind of feel the same way with fc cincinnati it's like yeah just like be a proud cincinnatian and and root them on and and you know, I can't really tell you like, oh, this guy should have made this overlapping run or they should really pull this guy this way. Like, I don't really know any of that shit. Like, I just, you know, are we scoring goals? Or are we winning games? Like, that's, But it's a nice place to be. Like you said, I, I, I feel a little more tactically um, knowledgeable in other sports, but it's kind of nice just being blissfully unaware of some stuff like that. It's I, I funny. Nobody yeah. like really knows. It's like yeah. storytelling where it's like, like you start it at the beginning and you end at the end, but then the trick is like finding out what the beginning and the end are supposed to be. So if you watch a clip and it's like, oh, this guy missed this mark, but you start up, you go like two seconds earlier. It's like, oh, cause he was covering for this other guy who missed his <laughs> mark. And just like, it's just like all just builds on each other. And then it's like, where do you start the clip that you're analyzing? And then sometimes if you're a professional soccer coach, you just... <laughs> Use Photoshop to move the ball. <laughs> <laughs> just, just tweak it a little bit to fit your narrative. No, I think it's funny because I think that's actually the, um, I'll, I'll say the English soccer purist take is that Americans have ruined the sport by adding so many statistics and adding so many layers of analysis that it really should just be, uh, you know, I'm a Leeds fan. My, my dad was a Leeds fan. His dad was a Leeds fan. I want Leeds to win. Like, I don't care how that happens. It's just, I need my team to win. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with the analytics. Um, soccer. I don't, I, I'm like, I like, I don't pay attention to them at all, but yeah. you know, basketball, baseball, there's certainly a time and place, but the older I get and the more I watch, I'm like, I don't personally speak and I don't know how much it like adds to my enjoyment of just like sitting down and watching a game. Right. It's, it's fun to kind of, you know, you can argue stats and you can have those, those kind of bar stool arguments and with your buddies, but yeah, like I, I couldn't even tell you that all the soccer analytics and, and all of that stuff. Um, that's where I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of ignorant of it all. And it makes it much more, it makes it a much more fun watch too, because then I don't know why I'm mad about things either. <laughs> yeah. Like I can watch an NBA game and I love the NBA, but I hate like the analytics NBA where it's every shot has to be a three pointer or a layup. And I'm just being mad that I grew up in an era where the two point jump shot was still a thing. And I'm just like, where is my Carmelo Anthony with an incredibly <laughs> inefficient usage rate, just taking elbow jumpers the entire game. And so yeah. I hope that soccer never really does reach that point because there is a fun to it that is free flowing. And sometimes it is just a, you know, Lucho nutmegs a guy. And can he mm -hmm. make that play or can't he make that play? There isn't an analytic that explains it. It's just he's going at this guy. He either gets by him or he doesn't. And there's a simplicity to that that I just love about the sport. I get it more with baseball, even though you could say, like, there's a lot of ways that analytics is probably made baseball a little tougher of a watch, but like, 
baseball, it's, there's so many like discrete events. It's just very easy to isolate like all the different situations together. And I don't know that other sports have done it as successfully. Yeah, I don't know how way above my pay grade. I don't like I don't know what the gamification of soccer would look like, right? To chief to your point, like the the layups and threes that the the revolution we've seen in basketball. I I don't know what that would really look like in soccer even. Just a lot of throw-ins maybe. <laughs> just, just a lot of pinging balls off of defenders to to win throw-ins, I don't know. Well, we were joking when they were talking about changing the handball rules where it's like, well, maybe this will value the the value shift will be just like ripping it into the box from 30 yards out just to see if it pings off someone yeah. and you can get a cheap penalty for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, to to your point about it, like just watching Lucho or like that's that's kind of what leaves me in awe, right? Guys like him where it's like, I, I just really love the individual skill. I'm constantly amazed by their footwork, the balance. Um, that's, that's what's really fun for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, being in Denver, how have you enjoyed the Apple TV product as a sports consumer? How has that ranked for you? It's it's been okay. You know, I thought I, I was watching through ESPN Plus prior to the new Apple deal. And I I guess my one complaint with ESPN Plus was I I don't know if it was always when FC was on the road, but you know, I didn't always get the FC broadcasters. And yeah. so um moving to Apple, I I I will plead a little ignorance. I'm I, I know they're bringing the feature where you can kind of sync the the home team or whichever team broadcast you want that'll be a, a fantastic um addition but i i've i found i i already had apple tv i should i i should probably start with that disclaimer um so i happily purchased the the m the mls season pass um I, I don't know, though. I This is where I'm like, I rely on you guys to tell me, like, is this a good thing in the end? Is this like, I, I, again, this is like a weird spot for me. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just bought it. Uh, you guys tell me if this is good for the league or not. Well, it's, it's actually you're a you're a perfect consumer for this product right here. So this is a great review. It's like I have all sorts of thoughts because, you know, I have you know family members in the media and whatnot. And I'm like deeply involved in FC Cincinnati fan culture. But just hearing for someone who. I bought this because I'm following a team in a different state, like a thumbs up, thumbs down review. This is this is as close to an unbiased review of this as we're going to get on the podcast. I think. <laughs> so I'll say this generally thumbs up. I think I had two. Well, I had one frustration just trying to figure out how to turn the spoilers off. I felt that was <laughs> too convoluted. Mm -hmm. uh, finally did figure that out. And my I guess my second gripe is it uh, I, I'm not always able to watch the game live, but I love you know, and it was the same on ESPN plus, but you can go back and watch the replay The the Emma, I, I just find that they make it so difficult to find the 90 minute replay option. Yes. Yeah. Can I, clicks. Yes. I'm like, what, what is you need to make it just right there for me? Like, do you want to watch the 90 minute English Spanish? Do you want to watch the recap? So that would be my, my big critique for, uh, for the product, I guess. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. And by that, I mean, I think Apple has a lot of the same complaints is kind of what we're hearing is that they're fine with the subscriber numbers, but that Apple has been very disappointed with some of the 
production quality and and quality of life improvements that could be made there. So I think you're in good company with that critique. I and I guess the other thing I would add to is I I miss even if I was listening to like the home if, if it wasn't the FC announcers. So whoever they were playing, their home announcers. It is kind of fun to listen to the home announcing crew because I feel like they just bring a level of energy and, and even like Homerism that I, I don't really mind. Like, I, I think it kind of adds to the fun and at least to me, it adds a little bit to the appeal. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've actually FCC anyway, has kind of gotten screwed the last couple of weeks where the neutral uh, unbiased Apple uh, commentator crews have included a former employee of the club we're playing like the last five <laughs> weeks straight so we've had a unbiased wink wink sort of commentary crew it's been very weird <laughs> and then you can get the you can get the home radio broadcast now but like we're all in cincinnati we're at we're at the game so the only games i'm watching on on apple tv plus are road games and i can't get you know tommy g and kevin for those games yeah yeah i i gotta think eventually they'll have both radio options of it i would think right that, that seems they like a natural th- progression yeah yeah they said that's the goal i think it has to do with something like they're doing the audio in the stadium so they're pulling it directly out of whoever the home radio team is that way okay. i don't know we're getting very in the weeds <laughs> on the broadcast <laughs> mechanics like, of this yeah. these people these people can make the iphone they can figure this out they can figure this shit out at some point that's that's where i net out right like if, if if i need to trust anybody to kind of figure it out i guess i would start with apple <laughs> <laughs> so um i'm I will say this, uh, and this is probably, I don't know, giving the post way too much credit, but something I, I've really enjoyed about No Laying Up is that you guys were outsiders to the sport that you were covering, that you weren't you weren't created by CBS or even a outsider conglomerate like Barstool or something like that. Uh, you, you built it as your own. And I, I kind of always kind of viewed the post as that. Like I never wanted to get involved with the ecosystem. I really liked being an observer of said ecosystem. But I think it's I think it'd be too much to say that you are not a part of whatever golf discourse exists at this point. But was it more fun throwing bombs when you were outside, when nobody was listening? Or is it more fun throwing bombs knowing that they're listening? Oh, God, that's a good question. Well, it is fun to throw bombs, All you know, uh, period, right? Yeah. Um, I think it was easier of course, to throw bombs when we weren't quite sure if anybody was listening. Uh, I'm really proud of us. I, I think one thing that we've tried to hold on to is, you know, we just have to be true to our opinion. And if that is going to piss somebody at CBS off, or if that's going to piss the tour off, then so be it. But we, yes, we protect that kind of quote unquote independence, uh, we 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 try to value that above pretty much anything that we have and if you allow me to flatter you guys uh, truly 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 i think you guys what you're doing reminds me and just feels like a lot of how we started with no laying up right three buddies with you know some periphery characters and you know i assume you guys all have real day jobs 
and it's just kind of a, a labor of love and it's a passion. And, and I think that for me as a listener, like that's, what's always just been so apparent and something that I commend you guys for. Um, so I, I, I really do like thinking about like, why, why have I really latched on to your show? It's like, well, shit, it reminds me of like kind of what we do in, in a lot of ways. So for those of our fan base that might not know your guys' story, what was the original inspiration to start No Laying Up? Yeah, so No Laying Up, it's a golf thing. I, I should probably say that. Uh, <laughs> totally should have should have entered that should a little better, I guess. <laughs> we, we, sometimes we're like, what is that, a basketball thing? Like, I got to dunk it. Ball don't lie, something yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So it's a golf thing. Um, the genesis was myself and two of my partners, uh, Chris Solomon and Todd Schuster. He goes by Tron Carter on social media. We all found ourselves at Miami University up in Oxford, Ohio, and we were all friends there. And we had this common love of golf. Uh, we would play together. Chris is from Dublin, Ohio, outside Columbus. We would go stay at his house and watch the Memorial Golf Tournament. And we just, you know, we that, that was like a common bond that I think helped like solidify that friendship. Well, we graduate from Miami. We all go our separate ways. We, we, we take, you know, quote unquote, real jobs. But the thing that always connected us was we would always just text each other watching golf on the weekends. Right. And so we had this crazy, ridiculous text thread. And sometime I want to say. As the farther we go on, my my timing gets a little, uh, I, I don't remember quite as well, but I want to say sometime in like 2012, 2013, Chris is like, hey guys, I started a, a Twitter account. I, I called it No Laying Up. Like, I think a lot of the stuff we text, maybe we should just throw it on Twitter. And we were familiar with Twitter. I didn't have like a personal account at that time. I think like Tron, like our reaction was like, that's cool, man. Like what, like, what's the point? You know? Like He's like, I don't know. You know, maybe it could be fun. So you're like, okay. So we start out, we just start throwing tweets into the ether and, um, you know, lo and behold, you just start getting some followers. And, um, I, I say that because it, it progressed to, well, you know what guys, I'm listening to some podcasts and you know, we love golf. I just don't have a golf podcast I listen to. And so we were like, why don't we, none of us knew anything about podcasting. We were like, why we could maybe try that, right? We're all kind of bored professionals in our twenties. Like, let's give it a shot. <laughs> and so I remember it was, it was actually like this time, April um, of the, the RBC heritage is the golf tournament going on. It's always the weekend after the masters and our very first podcast, we all met down in Hilton head and we set a microphone on this uh, coffee table and we just like talked into it for an hour and we uploaded it and and that was the start of it. And, and we taught ourselves, you know, gradually, okay, we have to edit it. We have to upload it. Like what's a, what's a host. So we go through all of this with the podcast um, and, and, and we start doing that. We had a website at a certain point Um we bring Todd's brother in Neil and we're like, Hey, you know, why don't we make a couple t-shirts with no laying up on it? So we do that. And so guys, honestly, where I'm going with all this, we, we, I mean, we've been extremely, extremely lucky, but it's just been piecemeal where it, it was, we, we chased our passion, right? I think we started with that and then just found ourselves in, in these different 
outlets and lucky enough that some people enjoyed listening to it. And, you know, we eventually attracted our first sponsor. Callaway golf was really good to us. You know, they, they didn't pay us anything, but it was like, Hey, we'll sponsor your <laughs> podcast. for you. We're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Our, our, our goal was like, guys, if we could like do enough, maybe sell some shirts, get a little advertising. Like if we could take one golf trip a year, how cool would that be? And you know, fast forward, we're about five years into, you know, it being our full-time job. We have a couple podcast feeds. We have uh, a lot of video franchises, if you will, on, on our YouTube channel. We have a website. Uh, we do, a, you know, a decent amount of merchandise sales and it's just crazy. I, I think all of us kind of wake up each morning and are like, man, at some point somebody's going to figure out this is all kind of you know <laughs> bullshit the parents are going to come home the fun's going to be over but you know that day is not today so let's do it one more day like that I, it really has been a little bit of our mindset this whole time um so anyway we you know we always joke golf is like five years behind the time so we just got really lucky there weren't any golf podcasts really when we were trying to get started um but yeah it's been i think the most I, i'm rambling now so i apologize but i think the most fascinating thing has been as our i don't know prominence i guess or stature if you will in the game of golf has grown a little bit it's amazing the people that you find out hey i listen to that both good and bad right and, and right. you start pressing <laughs> off some people <laughs> And that's a fun thing because again, I, I I don't think we we don't try to really do anything for pure shock value, but we do try to just call it as we see it and, and kind of try to you know share our opinions as just fans of golf, and you know that's yeah. that's done us good so far. You you do get every so often the different reaction of oh shit that guy listens and yes. oh shit. That guy listened. <laughs> oh, he listened. Oh, God, I wish I wouldn't have said that. About <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's happened so, a few times. So when was the moment that you guys realized that this could be something that you could turn into a full-time job versus just a hobby? Because it's very different just getting your friends together and BSing into a microphone versus, yeah. oh, this might be something that I can take my passion and I can make my passion also my profession. Yeah. Um, I think we had the inkling maybe in 2016. So we had, like I said, we had reached an agreement with Callaway as a, as a sponsor for the podcast. I think that was an important step for us. Um, and I'll shout out some players too. You know, Rory McIlroy came on our podcast around that time, 2015, 2016. And those guys don't I've heard have of him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Jordan Spieth is another guy. And it's just amazing thinking back. It's like those guys didn't obviously didn't owe us anything, didn't have to do that. Um, but for them to be willing to kind of sit down with us for an hour and then what that did for us, right, as we put it out on social media um, and, and they help like with with their channels, that was that was the catalyst, I think, that that really um i don't know what the metaphor would be right we 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 knew we had something then because we were seeing the listener numbers we were seeing kind of some of the social media stuff going at a pace where it's like guys i think 
like nobody it's funny nobody quite wanted to like broach it i don't think because again it's like nobody say anything don't ruin this like <laughs> yep. be cool you know don't, just just act like everything's normal um but but then the catalyst really for us was chris my aforementioned buddy my partner um he was wrapping up a couple year work term over in the netherlands he had, he worked for a public accounting company and he, he went over there on a rotation and he was going to move back to Chicago. And he's like, guys, I got to be honest. I don't really like the thought of moving back to Chicago, getting back into the grind. It's just not appealing. He's like, what would you guys think if I, you know, quit my job, I'm going to jump into this full time. Um, and that, that was it. And so he was the first one to make the plunge. And I think, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons since going full time, but, um, I, I think the best thing to happen for us was like, I, I say we never needed it to be a full-time business. So we could say no to things, which I think was, was extremely helpful for us. And we, we staggered kind of everybody's start time as a full-time job. Um, so I started in actually April of 2018. So I'm like five years in now. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, it's like getting like a, a real quote unquote real sponsor for the podcast was a huge deal. And then, you know, just seeing some of the names that were like, oh, you'll come and talk to us. That's amazing. All right, let's do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Oh, that's that's great. No, I I love that. I wonder if you have this experience as well. Uh, we we've broken news a little bit here and there. It's not our not our primary function, but it's always funny when we when we actually get something right every so often. Um, and I always find it hilarious when like ESPN has to quote us or yeah. or you know embeds <laughs> our tweet or something, and I just like crack up like, oh my god, they're taking us seriously. This is hilarious. Do you still get that feeling now? Like if I don't oh, know, yeah. Anderson Cooper is quoting you on on the nightly news. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's always a thrill to you know hear a mention or see it in print. And it's funny you say that because one of the big things along those lines for us was in the run up to the 2016 election. I forget if it was before the election or after uh, Trump was elected, you know, he was playing a ton of golf and he, he, Oh God, I wish I knew the specifics better, but it, it was one of the days he had told everybody. And I think his team had to be like, no, he's not playing golf. Well, somebody at a golf course texted us a photo or DM'd us a photo of Trump <laughs> oh my at the God. golf course that day. <laughs> we put it out there on on our on our Twitter, and all of a sudden you get CNN, you get all the big news outlets like her no laying up. Donald Trump was golfing today, you know, contradicting his his team's you know prior statement. We we're like, oh my God, what a world, what a world. But yeah, it's it's always a kick, you know. People be like. According to the golf blog, no laying it up. Uh, you know, we hear about every variation of our name and and all of that fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's we always get a kick out of it. Oh man! I, so I, I wanted to ask that. you a little bit. You said that you, you talked about you do your podcast feeds, but you also do your video content. I'm a huge fan of the the Strapped series. Yeah. What What was the whose idea was that? And for those people that don't know, um. Well, I'll let you describe it in your words as to what it is. But whose idea was the strap series? Because I just love those. 
Yeah. So strapped, um, strapped is a budget golf show and really it was myself and DJ Pihowski and a, another partner. Um, we had, gosh, this was 2018 and some of the feedback we had received, you know, privately through Twitter or whatever was like, Hey, I, I love seeing you guys go to, you know, let's say Bandon Dunes or Pinehurst or, you know, the, the world famous resorts, like that's really cool. But you guys go a lot of places where I'm never going to get to play. And we were like, you know what? That's really interesting. And one thing that we've, that has served us well a little bit has been, well, if we kind of get into an idea, we're just going to do it. And I think it speaks to like the independence, right? And not being really beholden to anybody. And so Strapped was definitely born of that. And so we sat down, we're like, hey, we DJ and I were brainstorming. I was like, DJ, I have never been to Iowa. I have no idea what Iowa looks like. I have a mental <laughs> image of Iowa. But what if we took a three-day trip to Iowa and just was like, what does public golf like look like in Iowa? And so from that idea, and I think Iowa was perfect because it's random, right? Um, yeah. So we we started building out the idea. We 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 part of the show is we imposed a, a five hundred dollar budget on ourselves. So essentially, as, as strapped kind of came to fruition, it's a you have to go someplace, you have to play three rounds of public golf, um, and you have five hundred dollars. Now the five hundred dollars excludes airfare and rental cars because there's no way you know you're gonna be able to fly and get around. But what it does include then for myself and Neil are kind of the two main characters of strap. It, we, we have to pay for all of our golf. We have to pay for our lodging. We have to pay for our food. We have to pay for our beers. We have to, you know, everything we do counts against the budget. And then we put in some like, you know, if we play well, we can earn money back. Or if we play poorly, we're going to lose money against the budget. But, um, it's, it's allowed us to just go places in the country that, Honestly, we, we, we wouldn't get to otherwise, you know, between Iowa, we've been to, you know, Southern Colorado, Northern New Mexico. Um, we just filmed a season out around Phoenix that should come out uh, sometime in May of this year. And it's like, to our bewilderment, it's really been popular. And I, I think a lot of that owes to, we're not trying to put a, a spin on golf. We're not trying to like pretty it up. We're not just going to the best places. It's like, we're just going to, we don't tell the courses we're coming. You know, we make tea times. We, we just book it as any paying customer would. And so it's like, it's just a genuine look at what golf is for so many people. And the, the really beautiful thing is along the way, I mean, I sound so savvy right now, but it's like, man, the, <laughs> The real, you know, the real treasure is the friends you meet along the way. <laughs> but it's amazing the people that we've met and, you know, without, it, it's just, it, it's serendipitous. And and we get these amazing people to come on camera and we'll interview them. We play sometimes with people. And, and it really is like, you know, I, there are a few projects I'm really proud of, but but Strapped is up there. And, and, and I can tell you, it's like genuinely one of my most, it's it's my favorite thing to do because it, it it feels very real and authentic to us and we hope that's what comes across to the viewers 
I told Kevin and Grayson that if Apple TV had any idea what they were doing, they'd call you guys up and say, hey, would you have any idea in trying to plan a $500 or a $250 away day to some MLS game and do the exact same concept of you go to a city and it has to include your match ticket. It has to include your beers. It has to include someplace local to eat at or even hell. Say, hey, do you want to do a collab of you got to play a round of golf? You've got to go to the game. You've got to do all these sorts of things. That would just be electric content in the soccer space. That's just out there. That would be incredible. <laughs> Chief, that's so good. Like you, you guys should do that. Please. Do that. <laughs> I don't want to rent your gimmick off. No, no, we we don't own that. Like I would watch that. Like that's what I want to watch. I would I love just- that. Oh, I was just thinking foot golf is the uh, the bridge there, right? You try to you could try to yes. do a, a strapped yeah. foot golf edition or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, you're so right, though, with Apple, you know, they want so much like and that's everybody wants, you know, kind of custom content. Right. That's that's the big buzzword. Um, yeah. God, I would watch the shit out of that. you guys. <laughs> it is weird how little away day content MLS produces. So yeah, no, I think I do think something like that needs to exist. No, I think this this does get at something that I am super interested in, especially seeing sort of your your Ooh, wait, Kevin, evolution. Before, before oh, you please. do that, I'm gonna get killed please. by Schwa if I don't ask this. Uh oh, my okay. buddy Schwa, huge fan, wanted me to ask you if you were gonna do a strapped episode in Cincinnati, what would be the courses you would play? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That's a that's a good one. Um I think if we did a strap Cincinnati, I mean, the ones that just immediately come to my mind are like, we got to hit California. Absolutely. We, I mean, <laughs> I think Reeves, right? With the airport. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else would we hit? Uh, can, I, can I offer you a suggestion of Avon Fields? Avon, you know, that was the one. And thank you. That absolutely, <laughs> that would have to be in there. Avon I, Fields. I played I, in I mean, golf league at Avon for six years. I probably donated more balls for that course than <laughs> any other place in the city of Cincinnati because it's so short and I hit the ball so goddamn long that when they tell me I have to like, you know, that you have to dial it back a little bit. Well, I'm not doing that. I didn't pay my money to swing softly. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's it. I, and of course, you know, you could do vineyard. I'm, I'm just trying to think, though, of like Reeves. I played in a golf league forever at Reeves and it's like it's it's so shitty. It's wonderful. Um <laughs> I grew up going to Little Miami. That was kind of our that oh, was so close to us. Um the be careful nine leaving hole there. track if had, there. If you've had a few, be careful leaving there. Newtown is not a great place to get pulled over if you're trying to <laughs> True. Especially if you turn right going through Terrace Park too, I think. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think final answer. Avon Fields, California, and let's do Reeves. I I think that would be a wonderful strapped episode. And if you want to like get bougie, uh, you know, Stone Lick is is wonderful. We they with very much some budget concerns though with Stone Lick. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep it under the limit there. Exactly. Exactly. Which uh which chili parlor are you repping then? Uh I'm a skyline guy. I fair. Fair. Yeah, I, I know like Price Hill and and what Mount Washington or Camp Washington. Um I've just always been a Skyline guy, so can't can't stray from that. Yeah, what's, your, what's your go-to order at Skyline? And that's what everybody really wants to know. Yeah, five-way, uh, regular five-way, and two conies with everything. Oh, every strong. time. And honestly, it's like I got to go within the first 24 hours when I get back to Cincinnati. 
The real you know, thing. Now, here's a question that we debate. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, the the skyline location power rankings. That's always been a, a fun discussion amongst friends. So I think that you got to have on the Mount Rushmore skyline locations. You got to have the Ludlow location. Well, yeah. We refer to that as the B-roll skyline in my friend group. It's always where whenever there's a Monday night football game or a big telecast, they always send the camera to the Ludlow skyline yeah. to yeah. get the B-roll footage of them <laughs> assembling conies as they're coming back from a commercial break. Um, as an Oakley resident, partial to the Oakley skyline, I can walk there. Always a good time. Always. Uh, Court Street skyline is my skyline that I walk to when I'm at work, so I got a rep there. Somehow, that place closed for two years during the pandemic and reopened with the exact same wait staff. And it's almost like they were waiting in cold storage in the back. And as soon as they reopened after remodeling, they just released the exact same cast of characters. And it's like, the hell you've been doing with your life for the past two years? Like, were you tending a bar somewhere and I didn't know about it? And just they called and they blew the news team assemble whistle and all of a sudden you people are back. So that one, and then I, it's soft spot. I grew up in uh, Milford, so the Route 28 skyline is also high on the it's list a good as one. well. Yeah, I probably frequent the Fairfax one the most, but the one that we always enjoyed was uh, the Kenwood Road location. Oh, mm. The one uh, between Kenwood and or Montgomery. Or is it Montgomery? Yeah, yeah it's, it's on Montgomery is it, Road. It's yeah, on right. Montgomery, sorry, yeah. in Kenwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right I next to thought the liquor that was a really, yes, exactly. Look at the liquor store right next to it too, so you can really have yourself a party for the evening. <laughs> yeah. I always go to 4th Street for lunch because I'm, I'm usually having lunch with people like professionally and it's kind of like a professional like networking spot because everyone that works at one of the businesses or yes you know whatever on on fourth street goes there that was always the skyline we'd go to before reds games is you get down yeah, to the reds yeah. game early yep. you eat, eat at the skyline on fourth street and then continue walking to the bar it was also one of the first skylines that served beer so I remember when I turned uh, 21, that was one of the first spots we got like a legal beer at. It was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be bi- we're going to be badass now. We're drinking Bud Light Star Skyline. <laughs> <laughs> Grayson, do you go? I, I, I feel like you got to go bib at, the, at that Fourth Street location. No, that's a that's like it's like kind of a power move to go no bib. OK. Oh, I respect that. Then. Yeah. Just confidence. <laughs> when, you go to the, when you go to the court street one, they'll actually tie the bib for you. It's very it's very fantastic. It's like almost like getting back to your roots as a kid is like making the, the waitress come around, tie the bib for you and assemble it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, no, I was just going to say, as a as a big fan of airports, as I know you are, the uh, CVG is swapping out the gold star for a skyline. So. <laughs> You will be able to walk off the plane and grab your order immediately. I'm laughing because I think I had no fewer than maybe two dozen people send me send me that link, um, which is one of the perks of you know doing doing stupid podcasts like we do. Uh, the listeners make sure to update me uh, whenever anything. It, it, you know, it's tangential <laughs> to to what we talk about, but yeah, that's that's super exciting. We'll we'll definitely be hitting that up. Yeah, definitely need a review on that. No, it it actually goes to the question I, I was going to ask Mitty. What feels like uh, many moons ago. Um, how has the transition been from being a content creator, someone who is is out there hustling, trying to get the content, to all of a sudden sort of being the content yourself? That like all of a sudden you're the attraction, you're the reason why somebody might tune into something. How was that a natural progression, or did you wake up one day feeling like super weird about that? I yeah, I don't. I mean, 
it's weird, right? It's 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 weird in a good way. It's it's just never something I a position I I thought I would be in. I guess would would be the easiest way to say that. Um, I I think I I harbor some imposter syndrome, or I I just feel like I'm. I, I don't know. Like anytime somebody will come up to me, it's, it's so nice and it, it, it makes my day, but you know, people I've been spotted in airports. People come up like, Hey man, love, love what you guys do. And it's like, Oh my God, thank you so much. Like that's <laughs> so incredibly nice of you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that I think I don't, I'm not quite used to Kevin. Um, and I think I, it's weird because some of my the, the most rewarding content that we've made has been kind of when the camera is focused away from us. We've done a couple, uh, we call it like week in the life. Um, one of them, the first one we embedded with Madeline Sagstrom, who's a, a an LPGA player. So we essentially followed mm. her around for a week, culminating with, with her tournament play. And then last year we were able to tag along with the Stanford women's golf team who are like the best collegiate golf team maybe of like all time hmm. and yeah it's it's funny because we get in those situations and i think while we're doing it is i just feel i i feel much more comfortable i guess i i, I think that's the thing about like when the camera is on me um you, you're kind of always on if you will right and yeah, i right. i think none of us are professional actors. So it's not like we're really acting. Like I, I think we're kind of showing our true colors, but at least in our mind that that dynamic always exists. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but <laughs> it's, it's something that I, I, I admit, like I, I grapple with, I, I think about, I don't know if I'm like, you know, it, it just is like, yeah, it's, it's a weird spot for me to be in a little bit, but very yeah. grateful. I have like a kind of a different Tack, but and this is not meant to be like a shitty question, although it may come off that way. Like no, you can ask me anything. Come on, Chris. <laughs> what is I am like curious? What do you think? What do you think it is that gets people like into like watching golf? Like, did you have like favorite golfers before you had a podcast? And like, how do you how do you decide like, oh, that's my guy? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I honestly I honestly don't know. That's a great question. I think, well, I grew up a huge Phil Mickelson fan. So okay. I'm of the age where it was like, you're either a tiger guy or a Phil guy. You had the weird, like Ernie Els guys, I guess, but <laughs> you, don't tr you don't trust <laughs> we, those people. Yeah, we don't, we don't trust them. <laughs> uh, which funny story, Phil blocked me on Twitter last year. So <laughs> nice. getting, Damn. literally getting blocked by one of your sporting heroes. That, right. like, what's the old <laughs> yeah. saying? Never meet your hero versus yeah. now you can't meet your hero. So <laughs> yeah, <right>. Taylor <laughs> Twelman blocked me. That's my claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess he didn't. Yeah, I guess he didn't appreciate me. Like, hey, Phil, just say you took the Saudi money because you wanted the money. Like, don't <laughs> don't dress it up and all the bullshit. Um, but no, to answer your question, I really think um, I'm not sure if what we do is gonna pull somebody into golf that has never played golf. I, I think what we do speaks to people that already love golf and are maybe looking for an outlet. Um, I mean, I I'll be the first one to say you can go to golf tournaments in person and sometimes it sucks. Like it's 95 degrees and humid. You're having to walk around. You kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells. 
you can't really see much. You have no idea what's going on in the broader tournament. Um, and that's not all the time, but it, it's, I, I'm very upfront, like, oh yeah, you can have like not the greatest experience at a golf tournament. And we all know like watching golf on TV can certainly be like the best nap inducing uh, <laughs> pastime you could partake in. So I say all that because, um, yeah, I guess my point is like, I'm not sure we're going to pull non-golf people into golf. I think we amplify, I like to think we amplify people's enjoyment of golf, whether that's the professional game or them playing on their own. I will say like stuff was strapped and like, I think the highest compliment we can get on our content is people that aren't really into golf. Usually, usually it's a husband whose wife, you know, is, is forced to sit through if they're watching one of our videos or perhaps it's a podcast in the car and people will tell us, you know what? My wife actually didn't hate it. She kind of liked you guys. <laughs> like that's the nicest thing. Like that's about the highest compliment you could you could pay us. And I think you know, going back to like strapped, I think that's hopefully what we touch on a little bit of strapped is like, yeah, we're playing golf, and golf is the 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 through line of of everything, but. On a certain level, it's like it's not really about golf. And I even think like with our podcasts, and again, I I, I will relate it back to you guys. Like you you're talking about soccer enough, but I also like get in on your inside jokes. I learn your personalities, and I think people feel that same way a little bit about us, where mm -hmm. over time it's just like, oh yeah, they're just like part of my, you know, my work day or they're part of my commute. Um so, yeah, again, I'm not sure if that exactly answers your question, but I hope I at least touched on some of it. <laughs> it was a good answer, even if it was regardless of the question. <laughs> yeah. Because that is, that is kind of the interesting thing about golf that's different than a lot of other things is that there's a lot of different ways to consume it. You can consume it as a fan of the professional game, but you can also consume it on the fact that I get out and I play a round of four or get a foursome and we play a round of 18 with my buddies. And, you know, you'll watch an episode of Strapped and, like, we can all be there, relate to the idea of, you know, your Baltimore episode where the idea I've got a great round going and someone telling me I have a great round going is what ruins the round for me. You don't want to, <laughs> the first person that vocalizes it is when it all falls apart. And there's you don't need to be, you know, I I watched the Masters last week and I watch golf on TV decently enough, but you don't need to be someone that consumes the game that way to get enjoyment out of it because it's a game that's almost as much about the stories and the, the experiences you have on the course playing it yourself. And that's not exactly as true with other sports where, you know, I like baseball. I haven't played a competitive game of baseball in 20 plus years, 25 <laughs> years. I haven't played a football game since, you know, shit, I was in college playing flag football in the fraternity league. So that is kind of the different thing about golf from a lot of other sports that are out there in the culture. I yeah. did have someone professionally one time who I was like adversarial to uh, tell me I was doing a really great job and it like really fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, golf is, God, golf is the mental, like it is so mental. Um, it, and I think it's beautiful for that reason. Like it's, it's a practice. I, I, it's, it, it can be so individual. Uh, you can do it with friends. You can watch the program, uh, the pro game, just as you say, chief, I, I think those are advantages for us where I sometimes get a little jealous of like what you guys do or, you know, major league baseball, NBA, 
we just don't get to talk about like the roster construction or the transactions or, you know, we, we, we can't bitch about a trade or, you know, something like that. It, it, so there are some things that I think make it, I don't know if difficult's the right word, but maybe some inherent challenges. Um, that's why like this live, I, <laughs> Grayson, you probably don't know about this, but chief, I'm sure you know. <laughs> it involves the Saudis. I know. About. Yeah. I do keep up well, with the Saudis. Okay. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, in a certain sense, that was like a content banana bonanza for us last year. Where all of a sudden it's yeah. like, well, guys are leaving. They're rumored to be leaving. It's like, oh my God, this is kind of like, you know, the, the player movements that you get in other leagues. So uh, it's good content for us, but I, I worry what it's doing to the pro game. But I, it's interesting though, to bring it back to a point you made earlier with drive to survive. I was always shocked with live that I think that the ideal outcome for live, if they could have gotten beyond, you know, people not wanting to be associated with their product, unless they paid them a lot of money was I would watch the hell out of Team Callaway versus Team Ping and like grouping people based on equipment the same way that they do in like Formula One where it's, you know, manufacturers for cars. Like you tell me like, oh, it's the Aces versus, you know, whatever the other teams are out there. I'm not going to get into that as much because it feels very made up. But if you tell me that like all of Team Ping is having a tough round because their drivers just aren't playing on this course right now. I'm going to get all into that because now I've got brand competition and you'll get people fighting over what's in their bag. It's like, that's why I always thought the live was the natural outcome of that. But I agree. I think it's been fun from that regard, just because it's trying to, you know, I'm not saying golf would be better if it added the DP rule, but at least it gives you something to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Lord knows we need stuff to talk about. Uh, no, I think you're exactly right. I, I think there's definitely something there with team golf. Um, you know, the Ryder Cup is like the most popular event every couple of years. And and it's it's because the teams mean something. And, and Chief, you're exactly right. Like just the made up teams where you're not quite sure why somebody's on this team or, okay, they've replaced like it with, without that intuitive connection or you know what what the the common bond of that team where the manufacturers would be perfect for that um yeah it's it's just live is like that they're on to some stuff i just (laughs) the people in charge i just don't think are going to be able to pull it off in the end i that's my opinion I, i certainly could be wrong but it's like yeah god there's something there i just don't think they're the ones to execute on it there's something there but it's not drawing eyeballs on the cw where it's like you know it's the same network that ran seventh heaven in smallville (laughs) i don't know that that's where i'm turning into my golf coverage and it's like it's kind of like with like the world wrestling federation running shows Mm -hmm. in saudi arabia like i'll watch but i always have this thought in the back of my head that i'm doing something wrong by watching this same thing with live (laughs) yeah it just feels icky at a certain level and and i know we're we're all like we can't in all of our day-to-day lives like we can't really get away from saudi money or influence but still it's like well at least i can be like well do i want to watch like their their golf tour like ah, i don't know if i need to watch that you know i can make that decision at least i think yeah. the what you really need to do in order to make this work is they just need to buy ronaldo they need to buy messi <laughs> And then everybody will be fine with it. It'll be all right. So just win the Premier League or something. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you saw this in the news, but like Saudi, so Saudi Arabia fairly recently bought a Premier League team, uh, Newcastle, and that the deal when it was going down was like pretty controversial, and there was a chance it wasn't going to go through. And the Athletic wrote an article 
last week, I think, um, where they found they had all these documents from like British government officials pressuring the Premier League to let Saudi buy in. And Saudi was like, they made some commitment to invest like $30 billion over 10 years in the UK, like economy. And it was really, it was really interesting and really icky. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, that's uh, without getting too much into it, there were certainly people in the former presidential administration that I think were were very favorable to to live in the Saudis much more so maybe than the the current administration um but yeah it's it's just I don't know I it for that reason I think it's just on a certain level it's really hard to talk about because you just have to preface everything by saying listen we're all going to be hypocrites on some right. level absolutely do you think live thinks it has been a success so far. I I really think certain people uh, do. Um, we're privy to maybe some other opinions now. I I think some of those other opinions maybe aren't like on the live payroll. So you got to take that with a grain <laughs> of salt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I mean. It's hard because I think anybody getting a paycheck from Live is just going to tow the company line. Right. Um, I think ultimately the proof will be in the pudding, right? I, I, you know, Chief, you mentioned the CW, like they're they're airing on CW, like they're not pulling very good numbers. I, I think some of their tournaments have been well attended, so their next event's going to be down in Australia. I think it's going to be very well attended. Um, I think you'll see a lot of people there, and it's at a good golf course. Now, some of their events in the U.S. are like, they're not at really good golf courses, and they're not going to be that well attended. So I, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag like in person. I think where, I, and this is just me speaking personally, I think we're live has not been successful is I, I think they've gotten caught up too much in like Greg Norman taking personal swipes at the tour and some of the players that have remained on the PGA tour. And I think Liv's best shot would be like, I don't know how Norman can is going to be respected by, by kind of the PGA tour side of the equation anymore. So mm -hmm. absent them kind of bringing in new leadership and kind of wiping the slate clean and being like, guys, we, I know we've both been pretty immature over the last couple of years. Like let's, let's have an adult conversation and let's see how maybe we can work together a little bit. And I think if they get to that point, like they could be successful. And I honestly think some of the stuff they've done has pushed the PGA tour to make changes internally with, with some of the, the tournament the, structuring and the, the prize, prize money, mo prize money going up. has been a huge thing. Yeah. So, so I think if you take it in those terms, it's like, it's been successful a little bit in, in at least being an agent for change, uh, in professional golf. So yeah, I, I I think like anything, give it a, a another few years and and the proof will really be in the pudding. Um, so if Big Randy had to make three changes to live to help it be <laughs> successful, what would your three changes to live be? And one of those uh, changes cannot be changed. Who's owning it? So yeah. don't don't pitch for free. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
gosh, without getting like too out there, I mean, I think they should be going to, I, I, I think they could have a better lineup of golf courses. Uh, I, I think a lot of their stops in the U S leave a lot to be desired. Now, some of that is courses don't really want to work with them because of who they're owned by. Um, so that's, that's a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation. But I think I, 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 if I were live, I would maximize their Australian presence, which is a golf crazed country that's been woefully underserved by the PGA Tour. Um, I would look to, you know, Asia, Japan, Korea specifically along those those same lines. Um, I think the next big dot, well, not the next big domino, but I think Liv has a really interesting choice with how or if they want to make a splash in the women's game. And I, mm. and I say that I think we are a little bit under the impression that I'm not sure Liv has to build out kind of a, a the same exact type league for the women. But what they can do is almost take over the ladies' European tour and then just use all of that built-in apparatus, the their their courses, their, you know, their structure, their really their leadership. Um, and they can push the women's game forward. They they could hold, you know, they, they could up the purse amounts, they could get more equitable purses on the women's side of the game, which would be a really really embarrassing thing for i think for american golf right if you have the saudis pushing pay equity in women's (laughs) golf before you have like the pga tour being able to do the same thing uh as they have a strategic alliance with the lpga which probably would also help mitigate a lot of the criticism that they're getting on the men's side of things too if it's they can point and say it's almost like it's exactly a little sport washing to a certain extent but look we're doing this thing that is really good for the women's game maybe give us a chance on the other side without constantly bringing up all these other things that are going wrong how are you gonna have women's golf if they can't drive right (laughs) Right. Well, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, they well, have yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Chief, that, that, yeah. I, I mean, I would say beyond that, like, honestly, your idea of like the, the teams need to make more sense. Right. And, and they don't really make a ton of sense right now. I think that would be a change. So I think the venues, the courses, and just maybe where they're concentrating. I, I think there's ripe opportunities in South America, Australia, Asia Pacific. Um, to really get a foothold where the PGA tour just doesn't go. Right. Yeah. Um, well, heck Randy, you've been insanely generous with your time here. I I glance over at our, at our timer here and and we are setting all sorts of records. I I definitely don't want to keep you too, too much longer here. I I do um, have, I do have one final question. Please, please, please. All right. So, I'm sure you're familiar with the match where it pits like Tom Brady versus uh, Peyton Manning with a pro. If you were going to do that for soccer, who would the match be for soccer players and who would be the pros that you would match them with? Mm. So like two golfers and two soccer players? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, I really like Jordan Spieth. Just kind of thinking more current guys. I think he's very chatty. I think he's anxious. I think he... He he just is good television, I think. Uh, so I would I would make Jordan Spieth one, and then let's go. Um, 
Okay, let me just preface this. this is going to be an all male match. Okay, we could we could do the same exercise for the women, but I'll stick to the men's side. Uh, I think you got to go Rory then, and then I'm thinking maybe a USA England type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, who who should we pair? Harry Kane and Christian Pulisic. I mean, is that too obvious? God, that feels a little too obvious. Um, but I think I would watch that. The name I, I had on the tip of my tongue, and I don't know if he plays golf, would be Zlatan. And I don't know who you would pair with Zlatan, <laughs> but <laughs> I would yeah. sign up for real money to watch Zlatan drive the ball, <laughs> hook the ball into the woods on every shot. He's Swedish, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's get him with uh, Annika Sorenstam. We'll have kind of the, the Swedish, the, the most popular Swedish player of all time. And then uh, who's another like batshit crazy soccer player? Um, Mario Balotelli. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I just assume he doesn't play uh, golf. Are there any, are there any Argentine golfers? Because like Emiliano Martinez is pretty uh, pretty entertaining. He's the guy who held the World Cup trophy. Oh, uh, in right, front of right. his in front of his crotch. We have to, yeah. Well, this, yeah, this is a, now we're onto something, Grayson, because probably, well, the most decorated Argentinian is Angel Cabrera, uh, Masters champion, U.S. Open champion, who I believe might be in jail right now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's, I mean, it's not a laughing matter. Domestic oh. violence, I believe. Oh, sorry. Um, but she, yeah, as you watch the Masters, right, they make a big deal about inviting back all their former champions. You do not hear a single word <laughs> about oh, Angel Cabrera. Um, but yeah, if we could maybe get him on a work release for a day, uh, I think yeah. that would be an entertaining match. I feel like you have to mention Gareth Bale, just since golfing was such a meme of his career that he went yeah, to Real Madrid. Good. Wales yeah. Golf Madrid. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently he's a stick. Yeah, he uh, showed up at some pro-am thing and nearly won, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me just say, guys, I think I was very long-winded. I, I'm sure most of your listeners are like, who the hell is this guy talking about <laughs> golf? So I apologize to them specifically, but I want to say to you three, this was a very, very big honor for me, and please, please keep up the great work. I, I listen every week, so I thank you guys for what you do. Oh, no, it, it means it. a lot. It means a lot. So really appreciate that, man. Thank the, you. Uh, the Venmo for all these wonderful comments will be, <laughs> will be hitting you up later. So. Yes. <laughs> and you have my username. So I will, <laughs> I will check that tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, and we're back. And again, huge thanks. To Randy for coming on on the postcast and Chief, thank you for helping make that happen. That was a lot of fun. Uh, dude, Big Randy's the best man. I love. I've been a huge fan of No Laying Up for a while. My buddy Gillespie got me into them uh, way back in the day during the pandemic, and I can't recommend it enough. If you're not even a golf fan, uh, if you're at all a fan of golf and you're not listening to No Laying Up, you're doing yourself a disservice get on that even if you're only casually a golf fan just a guy just like someone that likes playing golf you don't have to be following professionally or know who any of the pros are their podcast especially the trap draw is just a blast it's a lot of fun um yeah their content is great and the strapped video series just watching them go and tour cities and i'm serious about that the fact that mls hasn't called them to say, hey, would you be willing to do this concept around MLS games, play around a round of golf, and then go 
watch El Trafico or play around a golf and then go watch Seattle, Portland and just put that up on Apple TV. They're insane that they haven't tried to do that same sort of concept for MLS. And Brian yeah. Weigel, I know you're listening to this. We've already <laughs> we've already trademarked this <laughs> for soccer. <laughs> and we didn't even ask him about the fact that he's friends with the lead singer of Iration, which is one of my favorite bands. So oh, we got into that too. I know, right? <laughs> Darn, if only we would have gone even a little longer with you. <laughs> hey, man, I didn't even get to ask my guitar questions. So <laughs> count, count your blessings. We got so much golf in there. <laughs> we we did get to more golf than I thought we would, given that Grayson and myself are very golf ignorant. So <laughs> I do go to the driving range at Avon Fields sometimes when I have to when I know I am going to have to play golf soon. You're already ahead of me. <laughs> I love Avon. We should get out for a round, the three of us. That'd be hilarious. That'd be electric content. There we go. The three of us and Opie, I think, is what there you meant go. to say. We have to... <laughs> Only if Opie is caddying for one of us. I think that's the way it needs to work. We have to be, we have to, we have to be packing up there. <laughs> oh, With beers. Beers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've snuck a lot of beers onto Avon before. So. I, I uh, went there with my friends and uh, my wife one time. And my wife had never played golf once. And uh, but and our, our friends were big golfers. So we just like were kind of along for the ride. And we bought we brought uh, two uh, big pitchers of pre-made mimosas. <laughs> Nice. My, and my wife just kind of rode in the golf cart and just like I, <laughs> served I, herself. I, I had a friend of mine who was, he took a golf trip down somewhere in South Carolina and they all brought their own beer on the course with them. And they got to the turn and the starter or the pros or the wait in their form. And it's like, hey guys, um, I need you to go ahead and buy some beers inside the shop because oh. unless I've missed my guess, we don't sell Bengals can Bud Lights around here, so <laughs> I'm betting you brought those with you based on the license plates on your cars, so we'll go ahead and we'll forgive this, but you're going to need to go ahead and buy a few from us today here, please. <laughs> oh, the Bengals. The Bengals giving the game Got away. Got them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's hilarious. Yeah, again, a big big thanks to, to Randy for showing up. I guess I guess at some point we should probably talk about this St. Louis game coming up, eh? Um, St. Louis of trademark. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I guess I'll start off by saying I absolutely hate their name. The name is awful. The name is stupid, and um, I I don't think anybody should put it in all caps. And if anything, I think we should all agree to put city in all lowercase. So please don't capitalize the C. I think that just needs to be a point of uh, uh, made here for all FCC fans to just not capitalize any of the letters in city it's like the know. opposite of bell hooks you've got me there <laughs> don't worry about it okay <laughs> i was just thinking is it like that thing where like the ohio state fans cross the m out for michigan that like now it's gonna be our thing it's got to be the lowercase letters for the entire st louis city i mean i when i uh when i wrote a blog for the uh, the pride i would never capitalize louisville that was just like my little thing that i never acknowledged but now with st louis very explicitly leaning into capital letters i think it, it works better with them so are is st louis more or less of a rival than nashville 
We've played them. Is more. this a is this a rivalry game? <laughs> is it the same team? I think this is an open question. Cause, like, well, because because here's the my issue with this is I hate hate fucking hate the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals fans. I hate right, them. Yes. I hate their fans. I especially hate the fact that they're always fucking good, that no matter what happens with that team, they always seem to have a good team. They never go through the whole, oh, we've got to rebuild with the kids thing. They're just always good. The kids are always good. They always bring in free agents that are good. It's And they're not that much bigger of a city than Cincinnati. So they're this annoying, shining example of a very similar city to Cincinnati continuing to be good at baseball and not having to deal with the Castellinis. So that hatred of the St. Louis Cardinals makes me, predisposes me to just hate the ever-living shit out of St. Louis in MLS, too. To a level, I don't have that level of animosity with sports in Nashville. The worst worst part about the Cardinals is, could have been us. DeWitt. I was going to say, the twist of the knife is that it's owned uh, by a Cincinnatian. <laughs> uh, who also wants to own Dewey's Pizza, too? Yeah. I think, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, think his, I think his son started Dewey's Pizza, but yeah, it's the, the family. It's just, it's, we got the short end of the stick on this. I hate, I was going to say, I also, it's their fan base is insufferable. The best fan base in baseball Twitter account exists for a reason. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm ready to go ahead, mark this down. I am ready to declare this a rivalry. This is a rivalry. Nashville is not a rivalry. This is a rivalry. And because this is a rivalry, this is a must-win game. Oh, I'm ready a- to declare them annoying. Uh, that's very fair. That's I, That almost goes without saying here. Um, well, they're annoying because they're good. We're not good, but they're winning. And anytime an expansion team wins, it just boils my blood because they're proving it could happen and it didn't happen here well yeah we say that but they've also lost the last two games and seattle really made them look like an expansion team and if uh if memory serves me correct they i don't believe they've beaten anybody particularly good so far on the score sheet they have but remember we look at process. We don't look at because process is repeatable. We are so, a process oriented podcast. So their big win was 4 0 on Rail Salt Lake. The XG was 1.6 to 1.3. Okay. Yeah. And I, I assume that at least one of those goals was because somebody from Salt Lake just <laughs> passed the ball straight to Joao Klaus, um, who's Brazilian. With German and Italian ancestry, just want to point that out. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Mm. He's from his yeah. his his town. He's from is mm. called like Novo Hamburgo. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the got a uh, lot of questions about what his family was up to circa nineteen thirty eight. <laughs> the um, yeah the uh, the storyline of St. Louis's city in my mind is the number of suspicious plays that have benefited them Mm -hmm. tremendously while they have a general manager who again served time for match fixing in a southeast asian country that i always get wrong every time i say it singapore 
Singapore. Sure. Yes, sir. Okay. And I thought for sure it was going to be Malaysia just because I said Singapore. Um, and you know it's bad in Singapore if they skip the caning and go right to prison. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. as anyone that lives through the 90s can attest to. <laughs> I, feel, I feel compelled to point out that he has said in interviews that he was yes. ultimately cleared and released after something like 100 days. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what all guilty people say. Yeah, it's 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 literally impossible for any of us to 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 fact check any of this. So the only facts that we have is that he was sent to some type of incarceration for match fixing and is no, no longer, longer there. Is <laughs> 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 not. <laughs> he might be on a parole of some kind who knows if he if he's found fixing another match there oh and then forget <laughs> don't forget about the stolen penguins yeah there's the well, penguin and then he was suspected of another penguin theft right multiple penguins in question one i've penguin already concerned. decided that he's a penguin fucker i've already made that decision in my mind allegedly allegedly <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, really, there's a lot going into the St. Louis game that isn't soccer that for me is I'm all in on this game. And again, one of the few uh, I know uh, uh, Sarah, Sarah in the uh, the discord disagrees with me, but one of the few drivable same day uh, match days for uh, you want to know a reason why you should hate St. Louis, please, because if you in their supporters section. I'll bet if you polled everyone in their supporters section, ninety-five percent of them would be fans of Yadier Molina. Oh gosh, that's a great mm. point. Good yeah. point. They probably all like Albert Pujols too. Yeah. 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 They they're also like big Chris Carpenter fans too. Oh, man, you're really you're really driving the point to home now. <laughs> yeah. Probably even like Chris Carpenter's son. How about that? Oh jeez. Mm. Oh, I, I wonder what he's up to. <laughs> talking to his kid explaining how life works i guess i don't know no i mean chris carpenter's son oh maybe at this point he's old enough to be explaining things to his son that joke <laughs> finally, is like 15 years old <laughs> finally i can talk to the boy about this <laughs> <laughs> it's the conversation that's passed down through ages um yeah, they're, that's really fun, by the way, to just go back on Twitter and type in explain to Chris Carpenter's son and see how many random times that has popped up over the last 10, 15 years. Very funny. Very oh, it's funny. The, it's the joke that keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, but we should probably talk about the game a little bit. Um who is going to play in midfield for FC Cincinnati? We have Obi, who may or may not be back to full health. Um, spoiler alert, we are recording this before the last couple of uh, training sessions, so he may be fully back with the team uh, by the time we get here. But we are also assuming that Lucho is yeah, definitely not going to be there. Kubo probably still out. I mean, there's a very good chance that Angulo, Pinto, and Moreno are starting this game. How much heartburn that give you, Grayson? I'm actually okay with it. Yeah. Um, I like Angulo a little bit better, I think, ahead of uh, Moreno and Pinto, because, you know, they're... Especially Pinto. Like, Pinto's been pretty conservative and secure with the ball. We know Moreno is pretty good with the ball. Yeah. And he's pretty good at also applying pressure um, when the other team's, you know, attacking against us. I mean, he's not like Obi or anything, but um, I think he does a nice job, 
very reliable game in game out. Um, I think with Angulo ahead of them, when he loses the ball, which he'll do, uh, it'll be less, less <laughs> catastrophic than him losing it. Like right in front of our box. Yeah. He's got people um, staying home behind him, <laughs> but also like St. Louis is coached by Bradley Carnell. Um, they've I don't expect a ton of soccer like I, I just I think it's going to be like kind of an ugly game yeah and if it's going to be an ugly game like sure let it be the one where Obi and and Lucho are both out um yeah St. Louis doesn't have a, they, they never have a lot of the ball um they've only had more than 50 percent in one game and it was against Minnesota a game they lost Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of been, I haven't compared them side by side, but just looking at St. Louis's, I'd say they've maybe had less of, they probably had less of the ball this year than we have almost certainly have had yeah. less of the ball than we have. Um, so I think you're going to have two teams that are going to not want to play with it much, try to press and counter. And I like our, I like our strikers in transition especially if um, Arias is able to start on the right and we have Barrial on the left. I like our strikers in transition on, and on breaks, even without Lucho over basically anybody else's, except for maybe the LAFC monster. <laughs> right. Chief, let me ask you this. Uh, Angulo at the 10 or Brenner at the 10 with Santos See, up top? Gonna- what I was going to say, actually. So I, I like Pinto and Angulo on the field together. I don't know why I like that. I just soccer. When I watch soccer, soccer to me, I can't get away of thinking it almost like FIFA, where the you get the lines between the players that show how well they play together. Yeah. And to a certain extent, all right, I've seen Angulo with um, Lucho. It's not great. I've seen Pinto with Lucho. So, okay. Fine. I haven't seen Angulo and Pinto together. That could be electric. <laughs> it could be terrible, but it could also be a great pairing. Um, I'm curious to see what it looks like. I think that you're going to see a more conservative approach from FC Cincinnati. Um, and what I like as a game plan strategy, to get back to what your question was, is let's start the game with Angulo and Pinto on the field together with Angulo playing that that 10 role. And if it's not going great, then around the 60th minute, 55th minute, somewhere in there, you alter the formation. You bring Sergio Santos on for that late game run. You drop Brenner back to the 10 at that point, And you give him a different look for the last 30 minutes of the game with the fresh legs of Santos in that chaos creator role that Noonan seems to like him at. And... To me, this is a game, this is another one of those like level up games for FC Cincinnati, where if they are a Supporters Shield contending team, the way they seem to be, the way they were projected to be, the difference between good teams and great teams in MLS and good organizations and great organizations is that great organizations can run out a lineup with a Malik Pinto with a Marco Angulo and the drop-off isn't catastrophic because the coaching is really good. 
the system is understood by everyone. And while it's not Lucho, it's also not 2019 FCC or 2020 FCC. So to me, watching this game, I'm going to be excited to see how these two play, the two kids play together. But I'm also excited to see how Noonan approaches this and if he can bring this organization to the point where it frustrates other teams. They look at it like they were out Lucho, they were out Wobodo, they were out Kubo, and they still somehow managed to beat us or draw. So I'm eager to see if we can do that. It's a big test for the organization. And I'm not discounting that, that Pat Noonan runs out something else, you know, like. Right. I don't think he will. I think we're going to still see the the same general formation that we've seen. But if you read um, Pat Brennan's uh, profile on uh, Barreal, um last week, which was very was, good, yeah. which was very good. Um, I think it's subscriber only, so you guys got to click that link. Come on now. and go through. Um, I'm sure it's like a dollar for six months or something. Yeah, you know, right now, pay them. Um, I think it was all. I think it was Albright in the article who just dropped that he thinks that Barriel could play on the left in a back four, um, which <laughs> I think a lot of people would would be skeptical of that. But it that that tells me that at least it has been talked about. Yeah. Or that he's thinking right. about different ideas, and right? Different and they're thinking about different things, right? Exactly. So I'm not fully discounting that they might run a different formation, but I'm going to assume it's as close to what we've seen as they can get. And as close to what we've seen as they can get, it would be Moreno, Pinto, and Gulo as a three-man midfield. And mm. like, like Chief said, you can bring in Santos, you know, if it's not working. Because I think they really like Santos as a, so, as a sub. So then the move is a back four with, say, dropping Hagland in this case. And then you would put... Brenner, uh, Angulo, Moreno, and Pinto in the midfield, and you'd put Baji up top with Vasquez. With oh, I think you're saying if they went with like a four four two, if they decided to go this I way, think, and then, I think then you would see Santos starting the, if it was mm. a four four two. But I think what we will see is something like we've already seen all year. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just <laughs> just throwing out that like. If he does something different than what we've saying, like I'm not going to be surprised because our conclusions are based on what we've seen them do. Yeah. And we don't know what all Noonan has up his sleeve. Right. What I really want to happen is I want Vasquez and Brenner to combine for like five goals just because <laughs> it would be such a confounding result <laughs> as to why the offense picked this moment to start clicking on all cylinders especially they gotta if, go to like top golf together or something i just like <laughs> they need like some bonding yeah uh time because give I'm them not 500 saying give them 500 bucks send them to a city <laughs> yeah. and have them play some golf together. and film it come on i'm, not, I'm yeah. not saying that they're like not necessarily getting along but i think they i think they are out of sync yeah they i mean this is, of course, you know, read into it, whatever you want and take all the outside context into it. But it really does feel like they're 
their minds are on the uh, the transfer and they almost feel like they're trying too hard uh, when the ball is at their feet instead of just letting the the flow state take over that they're sort of in their own heads too much. Yeah. I think there's there's some truth to that for Vasquez because what was Vasquez's superpower last year was just sort of play letting the game come to him and being in the right place at the right time. And when you're pressing for goals, I think that you can upset that particular connection to the living force that you have that helps you score yeah yeah i i, I do th- and this is this is voodoo but yes brenner looked visibly upset after his goal got taken away which anybody would yeah but then when he was subbed he went straight to the tunnel it wasn't his first time going straight to the tunnel after being subbed out um so it is very possible that He's thinking my way to my next step is scoring goals and I'm not scoring goals and it's bothering him. But what he needs to get to is my best chance of scoring goals is to play my game and enjoy myself and just play, you know, and not worry about this stuff. I will say your boy um, got invited to the, the fancy club for this previous match <laughs> my one friend's tickets are right above the fc cincinnati bench nice brenner was not happy but anyone saying he was mad or that there is a problem he was completely fine with noonan you could tell he was frustrated with his own performance but it's not anything more than that there was no hint i'm not saying that was you grace i'm just seeing yeah. it out in the zeitgeist that like i don't want the narrative out there that brenner's a bad teammate or brenner's only in it for himself that wasn't the vibe that any of us got watching him actually walk off the field in that moment. Well, I mean, if anybody who thought thinks Brenner is a bad teammate should go back and look, you know, at well any of the goal celebrations, you know, like he's like really into like, <laughs> he's the when first his teammates guy score. hugging every person. Um, yeah. But the one in particular I'm thinking about is Sergio Santos's goal in game one against Houston yep. where Santos ran straight to Brenner. Yeah. who was on the bench, right? Which was a great which was a great moment to see after the offseason that we had. Yeah. I just want to correct the narrative out there. If it's yeah, forming, for sure. it's bullshit. <laughs> I just think he may be frustrated in general at like not not scoring, not getting his yeah. not producing. I guess chief the one piece that you missed is he went back to the locker room and started stabbing his voodoo doll of Jeff Birding. So maybe maybe <laughs> that context changes it a little bit, but uh, Yeah, you know, unfortunately I can't see what's going on in my feet and that's our, so I have to rely on reliable reporting for those. <laughs> well, yeah, the very reliable the post since Um we should predict this game. Uh Grayson, what do you think happens in this one and what would be the scoreline? I'm going to tempt fate. Oh, God, don't you dare. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I've been, I've been predicting losses all year. Every time I picked a loss, we won. It's gotta, I've got to break it at some point. How dare you? And I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying 3 nothing to the FC. I would love to see it. Chief, are you as bold? No OB. How can, you, how, can, how can you predict anything other than one nothing FC Cincinnati <laughs> at this point? <laughs> right. If your like, victory is more I'm than one. <laughs> to, I'm in it to win this contest. I'm not in it to, you know, make headlines. One nil FC Cincinnati. Let's do it. 
I, uh, I I will take the same tact, and I think I predicted this last time as well. Two to one for FCC. You know, maybe we uh, we accidentally pass it to Johnny Nelson because we forgot he's not on our team anymore, and uh, so we give one up. Ben Lunt also on St. Louis City, and who can forget that FC Cincinnati legend? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I still think he got a raw deal. I don't know why, but. Two-time USL goalkeeper of the year, one-time USL goalkeeper of the year. Couldn't I can tell you what? I can tell you one thing. There's no way Chris Albright is signing <clears throat> Kenneth Vermeer if he already has like an international keeper and you know Ben Lunt. Ben Lunt, like, like they're gonna he would they were gonna they would have given Ben Lunt a shot. I'm not saying. I never saw training. Right. I didn't watch the whatever 5-0 against Louisville in the preseason. But I don't know. I think I think Chris Albright would have found a would have found a way to give him a chance. Yeah. What's Cody Crappen, baby? Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't have been worse than Cody Crapper. There's absolutely no way he was worse than Cody Crapper. I not to but Cody Crapper had played in England for a minute. So immediate like Stom played against him in the championship. <laughs> so Stan was like, oh, I know who that guy is. Let's bring him on. That's literally how they recruited. Yeah, and not to rehash like a preseason from two seasons ago, but if the idea is the guy had a bad game against Louisville in the preseason where they lost 5 nothing, therefore he should never play again, then the entire roster should have been cut because I'm pretty sure there were other Cincinnati players on the field that also had bad games during that game. And I think they all got playing time at some point or another. Um, it can't have been all Ben Lund. <laughs> What if, just, what, simply, if it, what, what if it was? What if it was? <laughs> I, if it was, they should have recorded the game, and that needs to be seen. Or cut that, him. That, like, right? that, like, that put a chance to, that put a chance to exist somewhere, right? Of this game. The the admin, the kit man comes in and scores on him. I mean, yeah, maybe, fucking, maybe may, Elon's may, got it. Ted Lasso got in there and scored a fucking goal. Like, never mind that he was a recently retired USL player. But that's that's not number one in the power rankings. Is still if there's footage of Ron Yon singing karaoke. But number two would have to be is is there footage of this team getting drilled by Loose City and the Kit Man scoring a goal? Like they have to have that in the archives somewhere. I mean. Chief, I believe Put you were there. Put that on Apple TV. Put that on Apple TV. That'd be electric content. <laughs> There's your content. Uh, oh, do it after the Open Cup. Do it after the Open Cup. As much as it would pain me, I do think that if it's out there, it needs to be seen. The like, karaoke film? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> that one doesn't have to see the light of day. Okay. No, uh, but I mean the I mean the game. At least at least the highlights. Right. At least show us show us the five goals. I mean, I got an angry text message one time for complaining about preseason coverage from the club, so I'll bite my tongue. But and again, Chief, I believe you were there. We have it on good authority that tape does exist of the karaoke incident. Yeah, I've heard that. No one will give it to me. I know. Get in the DM. Somebody, somebody's got this. There's Somebody a bounty, and then it'll get released in like the Twitter files. <laughs> we'll send it to Barry Weiss. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, I kept <laughs> me the DM about uh, I haven't broken 
on that one. I am a reliable source when it comes if to you, sliding into the DMs. If you sent it, if you sent it to Barry Weiss and you're like, look at this man getting canceled just for trying to relate to youth culture, <laughs> you'd get a write up. You'd get a write up. <laughs> oh man. Woke MLS trying to cancel another hardworking foreigner. Look at them doing critical race theory to this immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We don't need to rehash it here, but at some point we really should. Like, this would be good content for a written article if we ever wrote articles again of a uh, alternate timeline. Ron Yans doesn't get fired. How does the next two, three years play out? Um, that'd be interesting. Well, my alternate future is built entirely on like a fully woke future so in my depriding guard world ron Yans was fired twice <laughs> he was fired and thrown in prison yeah. <laughs> fired harder <laughs> oh god well hey i think that's gonna do it for a uh, a postcast so there you go we're all predicting a victory over st louis which is probably a bad omen so looking forward to that one 8 30 thank you central time so you get an extra hour to uh watch the uh, head spinning whip around show there and i know i said it's a rivalry game but as always, fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.